Hello, everybody. This is Oscar Dahl. I'm here with Matthew Knutson, and this is We Like Movies Academy Awards Postmortem. Matt, how's it going? It's going well, although I don't think I can really continue with this conversation until we discuss my uh, We Like Movies inclusion writer. Honestly, Oscar. So we may need we may need to re- renegotiate my uh, We Like Movies contract here. I'm going to need to include an inclusion writer for the next quarter. Matt, now is not the time for jokes. Now is the time for action. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, we started this podcast before this whole thing happened, so we chose another white guy we knew, which is, you know, you for me and me for you. (laughs) Welcome back to uh, another episode uh, of uh, two white guys uh, trying to tiptoe their way through a very complicated minefield of social and political issues that we find ourselves in these days. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we need to tiptoe necessarily, <laughs> just as long as we admit that our opinions are worthless well. and don't need to be heard. Well, no, I mean, not worthless, but, uh, you know, our, our opinions are just our opinions, and that's that. And uh, we don't place any more importance on our opinions than anybody else's opinions. Oh, and, that's and you know, we usually sort of, we never go too deep into potentially problematic minefields. And I don't know, maybe that means that ours is not the most hard-hitting uh, or, or, you know, <laughs> like deep cutting of podcasts out there. We usually don't really stray into anything remotely political, um, and that's relatively intentional. But uh, yeah, I mean, probably I, serves I, us I, I well will, in situations like this. Weird. I want to turn that back on you. I mean, I think we do discuss the things, but I don't think either of us have any nuclear hot takes or <laughs> terrible opinions about these sorts of things. I think we, uh, we we practice humility in the face of these things, right, Matt? Not to tutor our horn. That's a good word for it. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel had a really great joke last night, which was, he's like, some people say, I'm going to try to butcher this joke. He's like, some people say that Hollywood elites, you know, are totally, uh, completely tuned out from the rest of the world. But I just want to say all 45 million of these Swarovski crystals each represent humility. <laughs> yeah, Close ex- enough, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's a particularly um, I, silly yearly dance that we do here, and it's it is kind of interesting that it has become this kind of platform for all of these sort of um, all these grand social statements. Because ultimately, if you really boil it down, and we talk about this all the time, I mean, John Stewart said it best. It's like you know a bunch of movie stars giving each other golden statues. <laughs> it truly is yes, the ultimate exactly. pat yourself on the back fest. Yeah, and you know, I will say one thing that's venturing into political territory here which is this and it kind of struck me during the like you know natalie portman made the funny comments you know uh all male directors at the golden globes and emma stone did the you know four male directors and greta gerwig last night which is fine and good i don't begrudge them at all those are great funny moments but tell me if i'm wrong here but i do feel like in the last 20 years 15 years whatever you want, want want to call it the problem has been recognizing female and minority filmmakers that's not the problem is the problem is the studios greenlighting films by minority filmmakers and and women it's it's the 11 percent of movies are directed by females that's the problem so it's the problem at the start i'm not necessarily sure it's the problem of recognition once those movies come out yeah is that is that a hot take um no it's not a hot take although i could see how it could be construed as as a potentially problematic take again sort of coming from us but i will agree with yes. you like when the you know oscar so white whatever you want to call it we, we've talked about it over the last couple of years i mean you can't force this stuff you know like i don't know if something like straight out of compton 
was necessarily the, uh, the, the level of quality of film that could be included in a best picture conversation just because it had a predominantly black cast and had a you know black director i don't like the idea of having to of having to hit a quota right and i do think yeah. you're right it starts at it starts at the bottom right so like you said it starts at what's getting greenlit what's getting made that the root of the problem is what needs to be discussed by the time we get to the point where we start nominating things we can't just automatically plug wonder woman in just because it checks the boxes right like i like wonder woman yeah, as much just- as the next guy but come on guys like we're not we're certainly not we're not you know if we're not going to give logan a best picture nomination how are we going to give wonder woman a best picture nomination just because it checks boxes i already feel like i'm waiting yeah. into something potentially problematic by saying no, this, I mean, but i agree with you again it- it, it's 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 all it's all subjective too, right? If people really did think Wonder Woman was the best movie of the year or top eight movie of the year, then then great. I mean, that's your opinion. You think it should be uh, best picture nominee, but if you think it should be best picture nominee because it's as good as Marvel's last twenty movies, then you're wrong, right? If you think that should be a nominee, then you probably should think Avengers: Age of Ultron should be a nominee or Guardian or Thor Ragnarok or something, right? And I think that this also, you can also sort of plug these controversial ideas into the fact that we almost never get big studio fair, you know, like big blockbuster crowd pleasing fair, rarely gets nominated for best picture. And that is also a problem that's starting from the same place, right? Yeah. The whole reason that that they expanded this thing to 10 nominees in the first place, what was it, eight? Eight, eight, nine years ago, nine years ago, 2009. The whole reason was because of, you know, The Dark Knight or Wally or whatever. Like these big blockbuster films that critics loved still couldn't get a Best Picture nomination. So we expanded the field. And you know what happened? They kept, mm-hmm. they kept just nominating, <laughs> they kept just nominating the tiny little indie stuff that people won't tune in, you know, that your mass, you know, that the unwashed masses won't tune in to celebrate. Last night, I think it was the lowest rated telecast in at least a decade. Yeah. Like, they, you can expect that best picture category you want but if they don't if they're not gonna nominate you know it's been a long time since titanic was nominated right or yeah, even avatar exactly so i think it's the same same kind of thing where it's just like it's got to start at the studio level like we have to just green light better original mid-budget stuff as opposed to like just the franchise stuff that'll never get nominated or just the you know 19 million dollar shape of water anomaly last night i i got it like people none of these movies people were super stoked about Right, and I was in a room full of uh, a couple people who hadn't seen Shape of Water yet. And every time they showed a clip, they're like, "What the fuck? Like this looks like a parody of a movie that someone just came up with." Right? Because right? yeah. <laughs> the first thing they showed from it was the scene in the bathtub because it was Richard Jenkins. Yes, moment. yes, yes, yes. And people were like, "What? <laughs> this movie is nominated for Best Picture?" And like, of course, you can't get the full sense of what that movie is no. by <laughs> random clips because it's going to seem insane yeah i get it no i mean what's the movie people were most excited about well either it was either like hating three billboards or uh, loving get out Out. yeah we always sort of make the joke almost every year there's always like you know there's only one film nominated for best picture that made over 100 million dollars isn't that crazy this year there was only two films that made over 50 million dollars like get Get out and dunkirk both big hits obviously the next closest thing was the post at 45 million dollars so we're really i mean the the divide the margin between the haves and have nots here (laughs) really i mean call me by your name is hasn't even broken 10 yet i don't think so yeah so yeah, people just, just aren't- don't don't nominate the post. Don't nominate Darkest Hour. Nominate fucking Coco, right? Yeah, like 
simple, down. simple things. Yeah. <sighs> <All right. laughs> but I mean, it just, it's so funny. It's like they expand the field. We still nominate these kinds of films. And then we bemoan the fact that nobody, that people don't tune in to watch the show. It's just like, you can't win, man. <laughs> Ultimately, yeah. maybe this is just an elitist scenario. But I mean, it's weird because I live mm-hmm. in this little bubble where it's like my entire Facebook feed is lit up, you know, because all my friends and you know colleagues, film students, filmmakers, you know, people I've met over the like people who care about this kind of stuff. But I forget sometimes that I'm really in this little bubble. A significant, like the majority of the world, really doesn't care that much, uh, even though yeah, I, <laughs> I make a big deal out of it every year. I'm I'm a little disappointed that Phantom Thread didn't come out earlier and they didn't give it more of a push because I constantly talk to people and. Everyone's just assumed it's some sort of staid, boring period piece, and they have no sense how fucking weird that movie is. How funny it is. And if people knew, knew how weird and funny, enjoyable to watch that movie is, I think that would have maybe had a little more passion behind it. But I think people just stayed away because it, it seemed boring. And maybe that's the fault of uh, of the advertising. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see when Christopher Nolan and Paul Thomas Anderson do someday both finally win. You know, they, they those guys might end up be, becoming like the Roger Deakins of writing and directing, right? As, yeah. as we kind of move away from this whole like unit, you know, uh, ubiquity of the you know forty-seven-year-old white dude. Um, as we as mm-hmm. we move away from that, these guys are going to get all of a sudden find themselves on the fringe. I don't. I mean, I don't think they're ever not going to work, but they are going to have to work harder to get those awards that I think they secretly probably would really like to have on their mantle. I mean, Christopher Nolan plays it real cool, but I guarantee you that guy. That guy would really like a statue. Yeah, I mean, and so would freaking, <laughs> so would PTA, yeah, right? Absolutely. I mean, again, another guy who like is too cool for school and like doesn't really need to be there or whatever, and you know, he just wants to hang out with Maya Rudolph and go make, go make his weird movies. But I bet secretly deep down he would. I mean, there's a very famous clip of him. Uh, I guess it would have been 1999 when American Beauty, when Alan Ball won. There's a clip mm-hmm. where he kind of made an ass of himself, and maybe he was drunk. I don't know, but. When Alan Ball gets announced for best screen, but he was nominated for uh, PTA was nominated for Magnolia. When Alan Ball gets announced, mm-hmm. Paul Thomas Anderson looks right in the camera and does this big O face as if what a surprise! Alan Ball beat me. Uh, he just he just, it's a total douchey look that he makes. Yeah, I bet you he really secretly would would really like to get called up there someday, and he will. I mean, if you if you, if you it's it's kind of funny if you look at I just pulled this uh, the list of the best picture winners from the last you know forever since two thousand seven. I feel like There Will Be Blood would have beaten any of the other movies besides No Country for, for Old Men. I, I feel like uh, There Will Be Blood would have beaten any other, would have won Best Picture and gone crazy in any other year besides 2007. I think No Country for Old Men is like the stiffest competition it could have I had see it. Yeah, yeah. out of any movies that won Best Picture. Two, so it's just like unfortunate and unlucky sometimes. 2007 was a particularly stacked year. People forget 2007, that was No Country for Old Men, There Will Be Blood, Michael Clayton, Atonement, and Juno, right? Juno was the fifth one. A good year, 2007. Yeah, you're exactly right. I think because, you know, There Will Be Blood is is always touted as, you know, if not the best movie of the last 20 years, like probably the best movie of the 2000s. Sometimes even topping No Country for Old Men in these in these critics' polls. So, but it's hard to argue with No Country for Old Men, right? That's just, that's a tough contest. I also think it's interesting that, like, if you look back on the last, you know, 15, 20 years, almost every year there was either one or two clear favorites, right? It, it almost always comes down to No Country for Old Men uh, versus There Would Blood. It, it comes down to Moonlight versus La La Land. It comes down to Hugo versus The Artist, right? And yeah. that's what made this, made this year so exciting was, 
you know, I guess you could have said it was the Shape of Water versus three billboards, but I think, you know, we talked about it last week that it was actually really more of kind of a four or five horse race. I mean, it ended up going yeah. to the, the movie that kind of was a, the favorite, I suppose, but it was mm-hmm. a little more wide open than usual, and that made last night a little more fun. Although, ironically, there wasn't really any surprises. Uh, no surprises at all, I guess. <laughs> I mean, b- besides uh, Roger Deakins winning was a, was a delightful surprise. We all expected it, but I think at this point... I know I was expecting to be disappointed again. <laughs> <laughs> so so that was that was nice. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 visual effects for Blade Runner. You didn't think that was going to happen. I, I was stoked about that. Yeah. Um, that was Dunkirk fun. doing well in some of the you know other categories. That was that was nice. Yeah. Icarus winning. I guess that was maybe the odds-on favorite. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. It, it was. It was a pretty uh, unexciting, uneventful. Oscars, all, all, all said and all told. Yeah. Right? I, I, I mean, what was the big moment for you? Anything? Uh, I mean, I really had my heart set on Johnny Greenwood winning, uh, speaking of Phantom mm-hmm. Thread. Like, that really was going to be the highlight of the evening for me because I just had myself convinced that he had a chance, but I should have known better. Like, I usually know better than to, like, when we do our bet, um, I almost always know better than to bet with my heart. You know, like that's that's how you, that's how you lose money. But I still, for whatever reason, just checked that box with him and checked the box with Laurie Metcalf because I was really pulling for the two of them, and of course neither of them won. Mm-hmm. So, but it's a it's weird. Because you still think, beat me because I was you still beat me because I was dumb. Like I, I really I really had a chance to take it from you, and I just I made some bad decisions. I but. honestly like I knew that I had won, but I didn't really crunch the numbers. How close were we? Like, what was there one specific cat? I mean, obviously you made a mistake with you know picking ddl for best actor that was silly yeah it was ddl it was obviously best picture yeah you got and it was it was a martin McDonough. yeah yeah and and that was that was unfortunate but i got you in phantom thread for costume yeah uh, i got you no no with, no uh, uh, Phantom. we both oh, no, we, no. we both we both had that no 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 so sorry sorry you you got me with that i said shape of water stupid right and i also and i i got i got you on uh visual effects yep. i picked star wars for one of the sounds and yeah you picked, you went big with dunkirk which was yeah they went three for three there yes yeah, so shape of water wins four dunkirk wins three and a bunch win two you know a couple win two and then a bunch win one a piece the only one who really went home empty-handed which just broke my heart which again is like oh give it to give laurie metcalf something you know give her that award that way ladybird walks away with something ladybird goes home empty-handed that was really sad that and the post are the only two best picture nominees who didn't win something and it's just a shame. Mm-hmm. It's a shame. It is you know, shame. like Greta Gerwig just looked so just happy to be there. She'll be back maybe. Yeah, de- we'll definitely. So, I mean, ultimately, it's funny that there was like this really tight Best Picture race and there was just so much controversy and just all these things swirling around. It, it was shaping up to be this really, you know, important night. And then ultimately, everything kind of went according to plan, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So it was all kind of like much ado about nothing on the on the winning side. Obviously, there was a lot more going on just in terms of like what was swirling around in the ethers and stuff. I mean, I thought Jimmy Kimmel acquitted himself pretty well in terms of speaking of tiptoeing, right? Speaking of tap dancing. Yeah, and I think that's why he was he was hired. Obviously, he was hired before I think all this stuff really started happening in full full effect. Sure. If if they had their chance again, it probably would have been someone else. <laughs> I don't know who. Yeah. I but 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 he's a yeah he's he's a professional. He he knows how to tiptoe around these jokes. Um, and I thought he did really 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 well. He um, um he he was he, he didn't try to do too much. 
Um, yeah, he had his one fun like involving the the crowd thing, which I thought was was cute and did not overstate welcome, which it could have. Oh, the thing where um, they went next door to uh, the TCL. Yeah. Did you recognize that movie theater? Yeah, that was the one, right? <laughs> yeah, that's where that's where we had our Cassidy Red premiere last summer. Did it make you feel a little bit gross that there was a synergistic Disney Wrinkle in Time thing going on there? They didn't harp on it too much. I mean, it made sense that they would try that, but I don't. They didn't do any blatant spots for it did they i mean they showed oprah on the screen right i don't don't, yeah they did that plus it's just i think they timed that pretty well plus (laughs) i mean on oscar night of course everything i mean you know you know what that hollywood and highland complex is right is like they shut everything down they close all the streets down how could anybody even get near that movie theater i mean Mm -hmm. i I, it's something fishy there to me like i'm not saying it was all completely staged but there's no way that there that theater is open on Oscar night. Like they specifically, those people were all plants, right? They, I'm not saying those people didn't necessarily knew what they were getting into or that they were going to be on on TV. But w- wouldn't it feel a little weird if you're like going to a sneak preview screening that's like a hundred yards from where the Oscars are being held on Oscar night? I don't know. It all seemed a little fishy. I assume they just gave out winning tickets during the Oscar festivities earlier in the day to people. Okay. Right, people who were already there. Like, oh, like in the, the, in the or, grandstands or whatever. Yeah, and that, that makes it clean and easy. I, okay. I assume that's what they, that's what they okay. did, right? Yeah, it was, it was, fu- it was funny. It, those things always get, they, they make my skin crawl a little bit. Like, I always cringe. I'm like, okay, this is good. Let's wrap it up. Like, let's wrap it up before this gets painful. <laughs> like, it was the same thing last year when he trotted all the people in off the tour bus. It just gets me to that point. I'm like, oh, this is cool, but let's get out of this. Let's get out of this before it gets bad. Yeah, I, I agree. That's why I say I don't think it overstays welcome. Yeah. I think it was it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. By the way, it's going to be really difficult if that movie sucks. Making a big deal of this movie. Yeah, I've um, heard some mixed things. I gotta, I gotta say, really? I've heard. There's been some work. Yeah, there's there's a there's an embargo, but there's been a little bit of Twitter Twitter chatter, and uh, I heard heard some heard some things. But I'm I'm hoping right. I'm, I hope it's great because you're right, a lot's riding on it. You know, maybe even more maybe more than Black Panther, honestly. All right, my awards for best and worst. Worst patter okay. during the show. Hit me. Go to worst uh, Star Wars. That was unfortunate. They left those guys out to dry. Oh, yes. Mark Hamill tried to sell it. That was embarrassing. That was so sad because I like all those people so much. Yeah. What What happened? Did they just Did they just not bother writing them anything, or was the patter just bad? I mean, you're exactly right. Why was it so awkward? I have it here in my notes too. Yeah, what I went wrong there? And those they're so they're Oscar Isaac and Mark Hamill are funny. people. Yeah, they couldn't make it work. Shouldn't have. And then best uh, gotta go Tiffany Haddish and Maya Rudolph. They were delightful. Yeah, they're great. It, <laughs> I mean, Tiffany Haddish is kind of like she. she She's kind of been the MVP of this whole award season, right? I mean, she really is sort of like the ma- – even though she didn't get nominated, she's been sort of like the mascot through this whole thing. She's everybody's favorite. You know, she, she gets up there and gives the best speeches. She actually – she was there on the morning with Andy Serkis announcing the nominees. Everybody loves Tiffany Haddish. I'm not sure if we should necessarily be anointing her as the as the host for next year just yet. Uh, she is delightful. Well, you know, should that – who should host? Who's that? Maya goddamn Rudolph. She's pretty she's pretty delightful. I, I completely agree. Isn't it it's so funny that she and PT Anderson like what a what a strange coupling that is. Especially when you consider the fact that she's kind of like the inspiration for Phantom Thread, you know, like yeah. I, mean, I don't think she actually like poisoned him at any point, but it, it is when you hear him talk about it, he says that like when he got really really sick one time and she was taking care of him, that was kind of like that's when the light bulb went off in his head. 
other than that, who? Oh, I liked when when Christopher Walken came out. I, I was watching with my sister, and I leaned over, and I was very proud of myself for this joke. And I said, uh, "Christopher Walken is the world's greatest Christopher Walken impressionist." Right? Yep. <laughs> he nail. He yeah. completely nails the Christopher Walken caricature. He is truly doing an impression of himself every time he talks. He felt particularly old this time, though. Yeah, especially when compared to Jane Fonda and Rita Moreno and Eva Marie Saint, who were just like vibrant, you know, yeah. beautiful. <laughs> I mean, just completely completely stealing the show yeah he looked he looked kind of senile for the first time in a while yeah that's too bad um but he's he's old right he's he's like 80 isn't he probably i mean there's an interesting runner through this ceremony this year of not just not just racial inclusion or gender inclusion but also kind of like age inclusion right i mean james ivory was 89 Agnes Varda, mm-hmm. who unfortunately didn't win, was 89. Mm-hmm. Christopher Plummer was 89. Gary mm-hmm. Oldman called out his 99-year-old mom at one point. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, Rita Moreno, even Marie Saint, they, they, you know, they're, they're advanced in age. So it was interesting to see mm-hmm. how much love was in the room for, you know, for, for that age group. I, I, I kind of liked that. Oh, sorry. Even Marie Saint is 93 and was yeah. delightful and lucid and so great. Yeah. And Christopher Walken is only 74. Oof. He looked way older than even Marie Saint. But now that I <laughs> yeah. now that I think about it, I realize, I mean, this was the 90th Oscars. This was the 90th anniversary. It, it makes a lot of sense that they would bring out, you know, some of these older actors, right? I think that's what they were thinking. I mean, starting from the beginning with the old newsreel yeah. open, yeah. which was which was fine. It didn't try to do too much. It wasn't very ambitious. But Yeah, I don't know if any of those right. jokes really landed. It took it took a little while for him to kind of, for Jimmy to kind of like build up steam. Like he, it took him a second till he finally like landed something, and then he, and then he was on like a nice trajectory for most of the night. What did you think of the uh, jet ski runner? Uh, I thought it was fine. It's it's all right. Probably beat that horse a little <laughs> too much, huh? Yeah, I mean they didn't spend too much time on it. I'm okay with that. I, I I do like challenging people to have shorter speeches. I think that's fine. Yeah. I you know I I I do wish there was more of a mandate to not thank your representation or. Just list people. Don't list people. You don't need to list people. Do you remember that year? Do you remember that year when they did when they did a crawl? Remember when there was like a Chiron at the bottom where it listed everybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a thing, right? And they, I guess, they just abandoned it immediately because it was so crass. It didn't work either. I think people still were listing. Yeah, all their, all, <laughs> it didn't all their dissuade people at all. Yeah, I was, you know, I was talking to a friend about this earlier today on Facebook, and I'm conflicted about the whole, like, getting people to do a concise 30 seconds or whatever. I mean, it really is, for a lot of people, the culmination of their entire career. Like, I mean, I guess you can't just let, you can't just let people get up there and go forever, because who knows, you know, if people are drunk or they just are, you know, socially awkward. There is something to be said for the fact that we're, we're shuffling these people off the stage as quickly as we possibly can, and then we have all this filler. You know, I posted this on, on Facebook earlier today uh i apologize for quoting myself again but i I am kind of somewhat proud of this thought which is that everybody was all fucking indignant about all the clip show about all the clip montages right i got Mm -hmm. today was all anybody's like oh god another clip montage oh like what is this montage even about like we're getting another montage and my thought was getting indignant about the clip montages at an oscar ceremony is like complaining that a football game broke out during a super bowl telecast how can you get pissed off about a clip montage of great movies what 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 the fuck do you think we're doing here like why are we here yeah i I love the montages give me as many montages yeah i i I I can't get enough montages and maybe we're we're just dorks like that but come on guys like are we are we here to celebrate the movies or not we're what are we just we're not going to watch any examples of movies i mean okay if we start getting you know okay all right what's this one about it's about the veterans oh what's this one about it's about uh, science fiction oh, okay we start going way off the rails into these really obscure places but just montages that celebrate 90 years of oscar-winning films mm-hmm. 
fucking great. It's, it's the 90th anniversary. Of course, we need a montage like that. <laughs> and I love, love, love those montages that they played before each of the of the uh, performance categories. Weren't those great? I loved all those. Yeah. I mean, the, the initial first montage, which was the theme was movies. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, it's it, a was generic, great. it was but incredible. it's a great montage. And that, that Love <laughs> Actually, that Craig that. Armstrong's music from Love Actually is, you know, that, that was made for montage. And no, I, I did like all the category montages quite a bit, too. Yeah. I, I thought the, the war montage was particularly... It's a little shoehorn. <laughs> well, I mean, it was clearly just like an anchor to the liberalism, perceived liberalism <laughs> of the entire show. That's... Like they knew they had to have that in there. Okay, that's funny. Right? I mean, I assume that was the motivation behind that because otherwise it was totally random. It didn't even occur to me, but you're probably exactly right. It did. It was the only one of the montages that I thought like, oh, wait, oh, wait a second. What? What is vet? Why are we celebrating veterans? I mean, by all means, you know, thank you for your service. But what, what does tonight have to do with veterans? Um, yeah, you're right. That probably was a, yeah, okay. I, I, I can see that. Plus it was, it was about 26% Saving Private Ryan clips. It's like, mm-hmm. come on. Okay, guys, we all love Saving Private Ryan, but c- come on. There's a lot of war movies out there. Every other every other clip doesn't need to be Saving Private Ryan. Exactly. So. But that being <laughs> said, I love montages. Give me more montages. I, I never get tired of yeah, montages. Take, I can't. I'll take all I'm the just, montages. It, yeah, it just boggles me that people get so indignant about montages. On the same token, it's like, okay, are we going to keep cutting these people off so we can squeeze in another joke about jet skis? I mean, what what, what is the priority here? I, I mean, I guess that they want people to hurry up with the speeches because I guess speeches are boring to a large portion of the, you know, like the kinds of people who are showing up to cheer on get out or whatever, don't really care about the sound mixer from Dunkirk thanking his mom. But should mm-hmm. he not be allowed to thank his mom the same way Jordan Peele gets to thank his mom? Yeah, I mean, they did strip some stuff out of it. I mean, they didn't introduce the Best Picture nominees throughout the ceremony true. like they usually That's do. That's true. I missed that. I thought the... uh Music performances were pretty short and uninspiring, except for the, uh, I guess the, the Mudbound performance was was good. But like, God, I was so stoked for Sufjan, and I knew St. Vincent was going to join him, yep. so I was like, this is going to be amazing. But then it was, I guess, that I mean, that's a pretty small song, so maybe it's hard to do on the big stage, I guess. But uh, It did kind of feel like was, a trailer for that song. Yeah. <laughs> and then they really botched the Remember Me Coco performance, I thought. That was <sighs> not not great yeah at that that broke my heart do you, do you think that benjamin bratt just didn't feel confident enough to get up there and do something do you think he was just like fuck no if there's not gonna be any auto-tuning i'm not getting up there and singing live did you think it's just like he knows his limitations because i i mean with all due respect to gail garcia Bernal, who's great and that other dude who sings the you know end credits album version or whatever my favorite version of that song is is the big Benjamin, you know, the Ranchero Benjamin Bratt version. Yeah. And I was like, I agree with that. I was really excited, you know, put him in the costume, get him up there. I just, I was so looking forward <laughs> to that. And he was there too. You saw him and they kept cutting away to him. But I'm, Garcia Bernal was terrible. Yeah. Man, I feel bad for yeah. Him. I mean, what a trooper. <laughs> I guess ultimately these guys, these guys just aren't performing, you know, they're not singers. So there's a history, a tradition of people who had nothing to do with the song, like coming in. And <laughs> yeah, they should have got Ricky Martin in there. Give me a Robin Williams doing Blake yes, Canada situation. Like, exactly. Can, who cares? Uh, it's funny. Gail Garcia Bernal was. I mean, he was in Coco, so obviously he had a reason to be there. But he was just one of those guys that, I mean, he was just constantly, they were just cutting back to him, cutting back to him. You know, they set him right across the aisle from Guillermo. So Guillermo, he was the first person Guillermo went over and hugged when he won Best Director. I just, I don't know, it's Gail Garcia Bernal was kind of like the, the mascot for the night, which I thought was kind of cute. And obviously, Latin America, Mexico specifically had a very big night. A fantastic woman from Chile won uh, foreign film, so 
It was a big, big night for Latin American filmmakers. Um, Eddie Vedder does the uh, In Memoriam. That was kind of fun, right? That was fun. Yeah. I, I, I do, uh, you know, in retrospect, the Adam West snub is pretty ridiculous. And to- right? Toby Hooper, too, right? Yeah. yeah. What's going on? Well, what's funny is that they actually included, uh, they included a shot from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in that tribute to movies montage, and yet yeah. they, still, <laughs> they still snubbed Toby Hooper. I guess the Adam West thing is like, he wasn't known as a movie person, really. Right? I'm sure. Like his best, I'm sure his best movie is Batman. The movie. Yeah, I'm sure at the Emmys. I'm, I'm sure the Emmys probably included him, right? Yeah, live action shorts. I, I'm surprised. Uh, I went 0 for three on the live action shorts. Just goes to show you that those categories are are not live action shorts. Just short films in general. Those categories really are the ones that can make or break your Oscar. Mm. You know, your office pool. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, my friend Reed didn't win, and that surprised me. But I was even more surprised by the fact that what I feel is empirically the weakest of those five films the silent child actually won and then yeah uh, kobe kobe won animated very controversial yeah pretty controversial i have i watched four of the five documentaries over the last week since the last time we talked which ones you watch including going to the theater with my girlfriend seeing faces places nice which was fucking unbelievable. You were right, man. God, I love that movie so, so much, good. and I was rooting root, root really hard for yeah. it. I did, I did um, watch Icarus, and I I thought it was great. I love those documentaries that start one way and then end up just following a different thread and becoming something way bigger and better yeah. than they had set it set out to yeah. be. So I, I liked that part of it. Last Man in Aleppo. I I thought after watching it that I was probably going to win just because how visceral and insane it was. But uh, you know, I, I, I'm not ter- terribly upset with uh, with Icarus winning. But it would have been cool to see Agnes get on stage. I don't think she was there. So that is the one. Oh. Yeah, I don't think she actually made the trip because you feel like we would have cut to her at some point, right? Yeah. I don't was JR. I think there? JR was there. I didn't. I don't remember ever seeing him. Obviously, we would have seen him if they had won. But I don't think she made the trip. So at the end of the day, it's not as tragic as if she would have flown all the way there at ninety years old. And I don't think she was actually there. But yeah, I just adore that movie. I can't say enough good things about it. I think it's superior to Icarus. But you know, sometimes the narrative just kind of. I mean, it, Faces Places probably kind of crested. You know, probably mm-hmm. in the fall during during a festival season, it probably crested, and Icarus is cresting now because of the Olympics, right? So, and mm-hmm. just honestly, dude, Netflix, I could see Netflix dominating that category for the foreseeable future because they clearly have made a huge um, professional investment in documentary filmmaking, and uh, and they campaign in ways for their documentary films that we we haven't seen in this category before because they have the mo- they have money to throw around, whereas documentary filmmaking is you know sort of infamous for being very very strapped for cash always right so i could really see them throwing their weight around for many years to come this is where netflix's ratings secrecy uh sort of leaves us in the dark a little bit because i would like to know i just want to know view like if netflix opened up and let us know everything that they know like we would be able to gain so much insight into viewing habits and what people watch and when they watch them and why they watch them because i i suspect it's just like uh Pat, like we've been conditioned to not watch documentaries in the theaters, right? Like people never think to go see a documentary that often out in the theaters, but they will tune in at home, right? Sure. So it makes sense that Netflix would would uh, invest in that. I want to know to what degree they are watching it. It's crazy how they're able to control 
the narrative. I mean, they were very smart in the way that they just from the very beginning we were like, nope, we don't we don't release any of that information. You go, you know, feel free to come to us, give us seven dollars a month. Well, you know, all you can watch, but we're not going to tell you any statistics or analytics. And as a result, they can be like, yeah, Bright was a huge hit. People love Bright. People love Bright. Everybody's showing up for Bright. Everybody's watching Bright. Don't you want to watch Bright? Everybody else is watching Bright. It's like, okay, I, I guess I, I guess I better watch Bright if Netflix tells me everybody's watching Bright, even though nobody's probably watching Bright. I don't begrudge them because I think it's a smart strategy <laughs> yeah. because they can gaslight people <laughs> yeah. by saying shit like exactly. that, right? That's exactly <laughs> what it is. And we're all drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. All right, what else do I have here? Um, Kobe Bryant. Oh, the Lakeith Stanfield gag was kind of funny. I did think that was the most like pointed uh, <laughs> uh, dig from Kimmel the whole night was when he said uh, Get Out was three-fourths of a great movie. Well, he said that's what Trump. He said that was Trump's opinion about Get Out, right? Oh, is that maybe I missed? That oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That was his. He said the president said uh, the president loved Get Out. He said it was two thirds of a great movie or something like that. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah that, that makes it. That makes it better. Yeah, that would. I would definitely be a little bit. I thought confused. he was just talking about how peop, people thought the the ending wasn't as good. No, as I think that was which, the. Which is my opinion too. I think that was the. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I think that was the only Trump joke of the entire night. I don't think he. I don't think he uh, brought up Trump. Once besides that, at one point he mentioned the White House, but that was it. Yeah, we were, we were discussing how how often he'd bring up the the best picture snafu from last year, and they made a quick yep right up top, you know, rip the bandaid off, and then and then done. Yep, which was smart. And then gear. And I did like bringing back Beatty and yeah. Dunaway. I thought that was fun. yeah. And <laughs> didn't they seem like if you go back and watch the tape, you know, watch it on YouTube from last year, they really did look. A, they looked old. B, they looked kind of confused. And C, they just looked like deer, deers in the headlights. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, look at these two luminaries. They're completely out of mm-hmm. it. Whereas this year, they had like, they'd had some coffee. They'd rehearsed. They were, <laughs> they looked way more present this time around. <laughs> they looked five years younger, you know, like they were, they were ready to go. But they were confused last year for good reason, because it must have been very confusing what was going no, on. No, no, no. Absolutely. I'm just saying that before they'd even, before they'd even started talking, they looked confused. Like when they just came up to the mic, Microphone, they just kind of looked old and confused. But I did think it was funny when Guillermo got up there and took the envelope from Beatty and looked at it, and then he was like, "Oh, hey, yeah, it's real. <laughs> like, yeah, we're good, we're good. Um, we, did we did it." Gary Oldman, I thought, gave a very, very moving speech. You know, somebody who obviously has dealt with plenty of controversy through all of this, and you know, obviously mm-hmm. has his own demons and skeletons in the proverbial closet. Seemed like the room was pretty ready you know ready to still celebrate him certainly much more than they did for Casey Affleck so mm-hmm. and he gave a it seemed like he was legitimately kind of tearing up talking about his mom like it was it was a nice moment it was a, it was a really good speech extremely british speech yes, very much so it even ended um, with a reference to uh, putting the kettle on for tea it's like okay yeah. we get it you're british <laughs> yeah we get it um i thought deacons was the most delightful also very british um, also very cute yeah he seemed very nervous it's it's funny i mean i guess when you get nominated 14 times and everybody tells you that you're way overdue to win he probably got up in his own head right like he probably was at the point where it's mm-hmm. like jesus everybody's expecting me to win it's been so long they're gonna expect me to say something brilliant he just he seemed just very like kind of nervous and skittish and really I don't know he just you know he just seemed kind of out of it still well delightful. as much of a luminary as that as that guy is a, like he's still not a public no, speaker no, no, right like, that's not something he's used to no. so. I mean if maybe if they just handed him a camera if he got up there and like had a camera on his shoulder maybe he would have been more comfortable. <laughs> Um, at seven years old that guy still does all of his own and you know he does all of his own handheld work made me very excited for him Oldman was great Frances McDormand of course there was a reason that they kept her until the penultimate award right they knew she was going to get up there and do something provocative and she did she didn't disappoint I mean what would you think of the inclusion writer thing 
That's that's not something I had really been aware of. Is that something that's familiar to you? No, it's not. It's funny that that was literally the last two words of her speech, right? It, it was like <laughs> way to end your speech with something that's going to leave a lot of people scratching their heads, um, mm-hmm. considering how many things in her speech were very much, you know, very accessible. So, yeah. but she's, you know, she's a weirdo. She's always been a weirdo. She's yeah. been a weirdo through this whole process. But she does she does manage to kind of rabble rouse in ways that even I don't think Meryl Streep would have the balls to do. Yeah. Like it was cool that she had all the all the women, the female nominees. If I was a, one of the writers, you know, one of the producers of the show, I would just be like mm-hmm. fucking over the moon. Like I can't imagine a better way to end you know, basically end the night on, on, you know, on a note like this. Yeah, and I think that's probably the best thing you can say about the the show last night is like, given the climate, given everything that's been going on, there's nothing, nothing embarrassing happened. There were all, all the right notes were, were pretty much hit. No one overstepped their bounds, I, I guess. Nothing was sort of too holier than thou or embarrassing. Kudos, kudos to everyone involved. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately the margin for error this year or, you know, like the goal this year was to not fuck up, you know, like after last year, the only you know, the only thing they really needed to nail was not dropping the ball. Honestly, I thought it was one of the best, like cleanest ceremonies in a long time. Um, and then yeah. I started reading, you know, the blogs this morning and they're like lowest ratings in years. Like nobody showed up. It was, you know, worst audience in many, many years. Nobody's watching this anymore. So. Everything has to do with cord cutting as well, too, right? Like, I mean, it, stuff is naturally going down, and people are going to parties and all that stuff. Yeah, but. no, that's a good point. I mean, we watched it. Um, we watched it on YouTube TV. So, yeah. so there's that. I I went to my sister's house in Brooklyn, and um, and I, I literally schlepped my um, my laptop along with me, and we watched it on my YouTube TV because they don't have cable or anything. There it's a go. it's a brave new world. Being in Brooklyn, as soon as Sufjan Stevens uh, came up on the stage, I could just hear like a collective swoon <laughs> from the entire <laughs> borough outside the windows. <laughs> The streets went quiet. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You lean your head out the <laughs> window awesome. and hear Sufjan Stevens' dulcet tones as far as you can hear. Yeah, I guess that's pretty much all I got. Oh, the, the sets were kind of crazy, huh? I, I, have, I have written in my notes, yeah, the, the sets reminded me of the Large Hadron Collider. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that makes right? sense. No, the sets were intricate and incredible. Yeah. I thought that was, that was super impressive. Yeah. Uh, perhaps not necessary, but you know, I thought it looked cool. They were very ostentatious, very pretty. I think we need to give a shout out to our fantasy film competitor Grant Klein, yep. who absolutely swamped the competition, just destroyed Fresh. us. Just a record, a record award season for his uh, incredible, incredible uh, roster of, of fantasy films. He just he beat the shit out of all of us to a degree that we're not used to. No, it was a, it was a bloodbath. I mean, technically, I came in second, but it was kind of more like I basically tied for second because Scott and I were basically neck and neck, and we were eclipsed, like we were, you know, what forty points off the pace or something. Pretty insane. His three movies were the three front runners, yeah. basically three three billboards, shape of water, get out. Yep. He also had Francis. McDormand, yep. Gary Oldman, which is crazy, James Ivory, Greta Gerwig, Guillermo, yep. Margot Robbie. I mean, just a fucking absurd, absurd list of people. So, yep, it was. Kudos to you. It was. A, it was a bloodbath. So, uh, so let me turn the question you usually you usually ask me in situations like this towards you. What do you want to see for the future of uh, 
of these kinds of ceremonies. What would you like to see next year? What would you like to see them do differently? Do you want to see Jimmy Kimmel come back? Is he the new Johnny Carson? What? Where do we? Where do we go from here? Hopefully, not every year needs to be quite as social anxiety surrounding this thing, right? Maybe we could just have a party again. Lots of times, it just depends on the movies, right? Sure. I mean, I think the the general consensus is a lot of these uh, nominations were maybe on the pretentious side and on the not on the populist side. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying they should uh, just nominate Black Panther because people liked it. Although I, you know, that's certainly a possibility. And in terms of Jimmy Kimmel, he's very safe and very competent, and you know, there's value in that. Obviously, to hire someone you know is going to be fine. Double, um, you know. Again, like I don't want to go back to Billy Crystal or or Ellen <laughs> as as much as I think Ellen's fine too. Mm-hmm. But you know, maybe a little outside the box. I, I I wouldn't be upset with Maya Rudolph. I wouldn't be upset with uh, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler situation. Mm-hmm. I really haven't seen that many names bandied about. I suspect they're going to try to go either female or minority next year, just given the state of things. Given that sort of those parameters, do you have any thoughts or ideas? I think that they've been searching for somebody who was safe and who was reliable and who was consistent and who was easy and who was a company person, company man, whatever, for a while now. And I think that they want a Billy Crystal or a Johnny Carson. They want. They don't want to have to do this dance every year. I wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy Kimmel's our guy for the next decade. I'm just going to okay. go out on a limb, and I don't have a problem with that at all. I like the guy a lot. I think he's. I think he's very good at what he does. And I also think it's funny, just considering that the first, my first experience with Jimmy Kimmel was when he was hosting Ben Stein, Win Ben Stein's Money, Comedy Central, mm-hmm. <laughs> way back in the day. And then, of course, through the Man Show and everything. It's just funny. It's just, it's been interesting to watch his rise over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. So I bet you they stick with him because he, you know, he's ABC's guy. He's ABC's late night guy. And why not keep it in the family? He works right he there. He literally works right <laughs> across the street. So yeah, why not just keep it with him? He's, he's easy. That way we don't have to deal with like, you know, James Franco and Anne Hathaway dropping the ball or Ellen doing something weird or Chris Rock being too crazy like I, I think it's the kind of thing where it's like there it comes a point where the academy kind of wants to you know get married and settle down as opposed to keep dating you know like going on a new date every year the other added value to that is you can be less ambitious with a host you know and that's been there before like you, you don't have to spend as much time doing a big opening number yeah you don't have to spend as much time doing jokes like jimmy kimmel's doing it for however many times is going to feel comfortable not being the star of the show so you, you you give more time for your montages and everything else it's the safe and easy choice but i also think it's probably the right one like just you know start mm-hmm. with that like lay that groundwork you know, lay that track there always know you can fall back and rely on you know you got the host thing handled so like you said now you can go and deal with all the other you know, all the other rigmarole. Yeah, exactly. All right, Matt. I think we covered it. Yep, we survived another one. All right, good times. Well, until next year, this has been We Like uh, the Academy Awards. Say goodbye, Matt. Goodbye, Matt. (laughs)